0: This week we started talking about why we should share our faith, and we started looking at Jesus and how he did it to know how we can do it without being big jerk faces. So let's see what happened. When we started out, before our small groups, we watched a video that explained that spending time reading your Bible... Um, can have major impacts on your life. Um, It can decrease a lot of negative things like loneliness and anger um, and bitterness in relationships and all of this stuff. Uh, But it did something else really, really crazy. It made you 200% more likely to share your faith and then 230% more likely to disciple someone. Um, And that's a huge thing. Right, that's the thing Jesus told his disciples to do. That's one of the last things he told them to do. That's how Matthew ends his gospel, and he's like, "Okay, guys, this is what Jesus wants us to do. So let's go do it." It's kind of like a rah rah. Okay, here's here's the goal. Let's go get them. Kind of thing, right? So I ask you, not to like make you feel bad, but how much time are you giving God in your week, in your day? Is it just when you come to church stuff? Is it? I don't come to too much church stuff sometimes because, you know, I got things. Or or what is it? Or are you intentionally taking some time to be with God, to learn from him, to understand who he is, right? Now, this might surprise you, but when Jesus was on earth, he had a plan. He wasn't just walking around like, doo-doo-doo, and the people would be like, please heal me, Jesus. And then he would go heal them, and then he was like, oh, I wonder what will happen next. Like, he was open to whatever would happen, but he was also working a plan, right? Um, He was putting into action and explaining God's love and trying to usher in God's kingdom by showing people how to live, right? So here is a quote from a guy named Frank Laubach. He says, Few people are getting enough of Christ to save either themselves or the world. Less than 10 minutes a week are given to thinking about Christ by one-sixth of the people. That is not saving our country or world, for selfishness, greed, and hate are getting a thousand times that much thought. I didn't read that for you all to like feel bad, or I read it for me, too. Like, Legitimately, how much time am I giving in my day to Jesus, to understanding who God is, to worrying about what Christ worried about, as opposed to selfishness, greed, and I pray not hate, but sometimes maybe, right? If I'm honest with myself. I pray the times that I'm thinking about Christ would overshadow and completely dwarf all of those other things. Right, And if we do that, we might be on to something. So, a question for you. If you wanted to grow up and become a doctor, but you only gave your study ten minutes a week, do you think you would be a good doctor? The answer is no, right? Like, as a musician, they say it takes about 10,000 hours to master a musician, uh, any kind of instrument or some kind of music, right? That's three hours a day for 10 years. That's nuts, almost, right? Like, think about it. That's a lot of time spent doing something. So if we're trying to follow Jesus and be true followers and disciples of him, We have to spend time with him, right? The disciples did this. This is exactly Jesus' plan. He picked people, right? There were other people following him around, but he picked 12 guys, and he was like, I am going to build into you. I am going to teach you everything I can, and you are going to be with me all of the time, right? He picked guys who were not thought well of, maybe, right? They had already failed out of um, Hebrew school, Right? They're back home just doing whatever they do. They're making a living how they can. Some of them are making a living really disreputably by working for the Roman government and taking money from their own people. Um, working for the occupiers, which is not super great. Right? And Jesus chooses these guys, and he says, come follow me. Right, That was his words. He just His invitation was really simple. It was, follow me. Right? He was a rabbi, and as soon as they followed him, even though they weren't um, the highest of classes, they certainly didn't live in the greatest part of Israel, they weren't from incredibly wealthy families, Jesus gave them an instant status upgrade because he's following a rabbi, right? So like, when they go back to their Torah school reunion, they can say, I'm following a rabbi, right? They would jump at it. Even if they didn't think he was the anointed one, if they didn't think he was the Messiah, if they didn't think he was anything special, and he was just a regular old rabbi, they probably still would have followed him, right? But some of them, while Jesus called them, were like, no, this guy is the Messiah. Like, they already were, like, thinking it and saying it. So, Jesus gets these guys, and he's like, okay, you're going to follow me, and you're going to see what I do every day for about three years. 168 hours a week. All right? I want us to to get this. This is part of Jesus's plan. He chose people. He chose people. He chose those dudes. All right? He didn't spend his time creating programs and setting up a hierarchy and coming up with mission and vision statements and doing all that. He just he didn't. It's good for us to be organized nowadays, but sometimes I think we make it really hard. Can we just Find some people and teach them what we know about Jesus and help them get closer till they can start doing it themselves. If we did that, the church would probably be humming along and doing some amazing stuff. All right? Jesus didn't take time creating programs like that. Or he didn't think about how to create an experience that would draw a giant crowd. He did draw giant crowds because um, the way he spoke about God was compelling because he was God. He knew what was going on. He knows human. Hearts and how we work and what we do. He drew big crowds, but that wasn't his goal, the goal of his ministry. Right, the goal of his ministry was to build on these twelve guys. Right, like he literally could have done anything. He was the son of God. He could have like, as soon as he was born and got some followers, he could have like marched with everybody from Israel up to Rome, overthrown the Roman government, turned like the emperor into like a frog or something if he wanted to. Right, and then like been the ruler of. All of the Roman Empire, and then the world, right? Like, he could have done that, but he didn't do that. He chose to stay poor, to wander around, not knowing where he was going to eat or sleep next, so he could build into these 12 guys. I, I keep saying it, but I don't want us to lose it, right? That's God's major plan to save the world, right? Like, he came as Jesus, he came to die, he came to come back to life, but after that, he left it all in the hands of these guys, That's nuts, right? If you want to learn how to do something, like we said, you have to spend time with someone, right? Um, They would always, one of the things that Jewish people would say is, may you follow your rabbi so closely that you are covered in his dust, right? That you would just be there with him, noticing every single thing he does, the way he interacts, the way he talks to people, the choices he makes, what goes into that, everything, that you would just know why your rabbi does everything they do. God, that's an amazing prayer, right? Jesus, let me know why you do, did what you did. Help me to do what I need to do because I know your example. Right. It, may, it reminds me of my friend Dan, who was when we were in school certainly didn't know how to build anything. But then he started dating a girl who uh, wanted to go to Mexico, and he wanted to marry her. She's like, "Uh, well, we're going to go to Mexico all summer, every summer, and we build houses, and you kind of need to know how to do that. So you need to figure out something. So Dan met this guy named Roger who had been doing construction for decades, and he would start working for Roger and then he would invite me out to work with him sometimes. And let me tell you, Roger is the best boss ever. No offense to any boss I've ever had or ever will have. He's the best boss ever. Right? Like we were work, working on a farmhouse and the first thing we did was make sure there were cabinets in the kitchen so we could stock them with cookies. Because no matter where you were, if you were up on a roof doing anything, Roger would just yell cookie break and you would go down and you would eat cookies. Right, hands down, best boss ever. You can't get any better than that. You just can't. Right. But Roger knew how to do all of the things. All of the things. Whatever it was to to remodel this house, to to fix it up, to to put a roof on it, to put like really intricate details into things. Like he knew all of the tricks. And Dan spent so much time with him that Dan learned all of those tricks too. And then he kind of started his own company. And that's what he did for many, many years while he was going through school and still going out and, and doing mission work in Tijuana. Like He ran his own construction company, right? Like, it wasn't like building giant houses or anything, but it was fixing stuff up. And he knew how to do that because he spent time with someone who knew how to do it. Guys, if we want to live a life that's worthwhile, if we want to affect change in the world, no one's affected more change in the world than Jesus. So if we want to do that, if we want to make this world an actual better place, Maybe we should look at what our master, Jesus, did. So we only looked at one Bible verse this week, right? Um, So this is from John chapter 4, um, somewhere around verse 40. And... mm, Jesus had been sitting there, hanging out with the the disciples, and he sent them away, and they were going to go get some food. He's just hanging out at this well. In Samaria, again, remember, Samaritans are people that Jewish people do not like. They think that they have corrupted the Jewish religion, that they do not know who God is, that they are false, and that even among all the other gods, they find these people incredibly detestable. They call them dogs and worse. They are not liked people. And as we talked last week, Jesus was okay with talking to this lady and actually offering her salvation, which would blow the disciples' minds, right? So um, in that story, he just tells her everything about her life and says, go and sin no more. He, like, shows her grace and mercy, and it blows her mind, and she accepts it. But when she accepts it, she goes back to the village, right? So... um, this is, this is where we're going to start reading. It says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. He stayed there for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Like, so much just happened there. Like, get that, right? This lady had an encounter with Jesus, and she doesn't wait. She doesn't go and like, okay, i got to study a bunch of stuff, and I'm going to put this together. Like, she immediately goes and tells everyone the effect Jesus had on her heart. This amazing rush of the spirit that she gets from knowing who Christ is, and she wants everyone else to know him. Right, she went there to go get water. She probably left her buckets back at the well and ran back to town and told everybody this, and brought a group of people to see Jesus that very day. Come on, how many of us have been following Jesus and haven't once spoken to somebody else about what we believe? This lady didn't waste any time getting to it. Right, she didn't go and have philosophical discussions and tell everyone why what they believed was wrong. They're just like, no, you need to see Jesus. And then they come out to see him. And then Jesus, what does he do? He spends time with them. He lets them spend time with him. He gives them two days. He teaches them things. He answers questions. He heals people, probably. He tells them the message. He explains it. He goes over it. He disciples them. Right? That's why we asked that question at the beginning, right? What... We didn't ask at the beginning. We did that in small groups. But one of our questions was, what's the difference between um, sharing your faith and discipling someone, right? Sharing your faith is literally just doing what this lady did, right? Jesus, he's amazing. You got to check him out. This is what he's done in my life. I've seen him do this in someone else's life. Like, I know this stuff is true, and I know that he's the son of God, and I know that he came back to life, and I know that he forgives sins, and I know that he completely changes lives. That's sharing your faith. Discipling someone is going through the Bible now and explaining why we can believe it, right? That's it. And helping people figure out how to put that into action, right? It's not, again, condemning people or pointing out things in them and trying to mold them into, like, this certain specific thing because every Christian has to look the same. No, it's just explaining to them why this makes sense, right? You just tell them about Jesus at first, you tell them about the excitement, you tell them about who he is, and then after that, you get to build into them and explain why it makes sense with the Old Testament and the New Testament and who God is and how that means we should live out our lives. So Jesus does that. The lady does the sharing the faith part. Jesus comes and disciples those people, right? And then they believe, right? If you've encountered Jesus, this should come out of you, right? You should be able to say. He's done this in my life, right? Maybe you haven't had like a crazy like Holy Spirit experience yet. That's okay. Maybe you're one of those people who you've looked at some evidence and you see all these things that you believe about how the world was created and um, what you've seen happen in people's lives and the history of, of the church. And maybe there's some like archaeological pieces or maybe you know why you believe in the Bible. And you can share those things and you still trust Christ, you can still share that, be like, no, this is really real and this means something, right? This is how it's affected my life. Again, like those, like that video we watched, if you read your Bible four times a week, right? Think about it. four times a week, stuff happens because you are close to God. You are hearing from him, you are thinking about him, you're checking your ways against him. All right, so I just encourage you guys, spend time in the Word. We're getting ready for Easter um, or in Lent. I don't care if you gave anything up. Pick that up. Challenge yourself to read the Bible four times a week and see at least and see what happens. Read a little devotional every day. I sent you guys one over email. It's short. It's easy. It's good. It's got Bible verse. If you do it, it's six days a week. There you go. You got six days a week covered. All right. We don't have to be a jerk to share Jesus. We don't have to tell people they're wrong. We just have to tell them what Jesus has done and invite them to come and see themselves. And if they choose to say yes to that invitation, then we can disciple them by building into them. Love you guys. Have an awesome week.